talk about coming out of the weekend. But we will invite you to bring in some steaming hot takes to the Odd Shark inbox with your comments on the latest on the Jets. I imagine there'll be many takes on what happened between the Bombers and Montreal on Saturday afternoon. And, of course, NFL fantasy betting. All welcome right yeah. now, twelve ninety ninety on the Odd Shark inbox. Remo. And if there's a player who screwed you in fantasy this weekend that you want to give a shout-out to, text it in because I got a, I got a couple. Chris Carson. I was all over him on the Seahawks. And uh, he fumbled the ball. He had fumble problems earlier in the year. Uh, they benched him in the second half. And uh, damn you, damn you, Chris Carson. That's what I got to say. For yeah, the, the only redeeming the quality of that was Chris Carson was so chalky this week. That everyone he was, had him. Everyone in him. So it wasn't like you were the only guy that was really getting uh, was really getting hurt. Damn man. Um, you know, we'll talk lots of hockey. As I mentioned in trending topics, Jets just finishing up the skate. We'll have Coach Paul Maurice for you in the first half hour of the afternoon ride. Uh, the Jets coming off their uh, win last night will send a much more inexperienced group today uh, or tomorrow uh, to Calgary. Uh, was interested when, you know, there was a little bit of panic, I think, amongst Jet fans today, Reem, when the team put out the rosters, the groups, the two groups for the skates. Sammy Niku wasn't on the list. Uh, Niku's dealing with a minor injury, uh, as I believe Cop and Adam Lowry. So nothing too, too much to worry about that. We'll hear what the coach has to say on those players, and uh, we'll move on to game number five of the preseason. And I have a feeling that the majority of the players in tomorrow's game will find themselves Manitoba Moose a little later on in the week, and then the Jets will have two games Thursday and Sunday to finish up getting ready to drop the puck against Jacob Trouba and the New York Rangers next yes. week at MSG. Revenge game. And, uh, you know, we saw the groups today. Has there ever been a revenge game in your first game ever with the franchise? Uh, I was going to say Chris Matthews game on Saturday, but I think that was <laughs> the second game with, with Montreal. Um, you look at the Jets groups today, group one and group two, there's a pretty clear split between the NHL and uh, the non-NHL players. So we will see the roster for tomorrow. I think it'll be pretty much the reverse of what we saw yesterday. Calgary sending the inexperienced group and the Jets playing the top line. Uh, sounds like the Jets are going to be sending the in- inexperienced group, as you said. And I'm sure we'll see some uh, top guys from Calgary. And I always get flashbacks of that game against Minnesota a couple years ago where the Jets sent their inexperienced guys and Minnesota had their top guys at home and just piled it on. And that was Maurice... Giving the quote, we're lucky to be in the building or yeah. something something like that. It was a couple years ago. I'll, I haven't forgot it. But we're looking at the Jets' practice lines today. This is what everyone wants to know. Ehlers, Shafley, Wheeler, Veselainen, Little, Rosovic, Hynola, Kopp, Bork, Appleton, Latestu, Chibisov. Now, don't get don't get too crazy. They're not moving Hynola to forward. Uh, Lowry. Well, Kopp was in there, so I misspeak. It was Kopp. Lowry that was out. Yeah, Lowry and Perot not skating. Hynola is the extra D, so he goes uh, on the forward line. And then the D, Morrissey, Pionk, Bolyu, uh, Kulikov, Potato, Pullman, and Niku skating on his own with a minor grind, groin injury, as you said. So that's where we are right now. Who knows who's going to be there. Uh, tomorrow we'll wait and see. Eric Comrie is going to start tomorrow. Mikhail Burden, sounds like they're going to split time. So uh, only three more games left of the preseason. Exactly. This one will be sort of a throwaway game from the sounds of it, and then we'll see the, the yeah. majority of the roster. Well, minus players that aren't here. And that's the thing. We're talking a lot about you know, who's going to be playing, who, what veterans are going to be playing in the game in Calgary when, let's face it, we are, what, 10 days away from uh, the well, opening of the season or so? 
Yeah, we, did, we didn't have any Jets news today. We did have some RFA news. Well, we certainly did, and we'll get to that right now, I guess. We'll save the Bombers for the second segment. Braden Point signs a three-year deal at less than $7 million a season, 6.75. I mean, arguably, if you want to talk about all the players that were RFAs, I mean, I know Mitch Marner had a great season, but, I mean, Ranton and, and Point, to me, were the true uh, elites. So... Point is a center. He gets three years. It fits more in with Tampa's very, very interesting contract situation and salary cap predicament. But what does that mean for the Winnipeg Jets? My first reaction was, hey, this is great for the Jets. I mean, another contract signed in the 9 or $10 million bucks wouldn't be good. It really does make it look like Toronto, for whatever reason, couldn't help themselves and pay overpaid massively for all of their RFAs, if you really want to say it, going back to last year with the Nylander situation, then the early contract to Austin Matthews, which created a lot of problems for them to get Mitch Marner done because he and the Marner clan think he's better than Matthews and deserved more. They finally got something done, but it cost them big time, just south of $11 million for six years. So if Line is looking at a two- to three-year contract, I don't think there's any way that the point deal is not good news for the Winnipeg Jets and maybe even Mike Liute and Patrick Liney just knowing okay this is where it is we know what point has you're going to be in I mean I know they offered five somewhere between five and six I tweeted you earlier today per, predict bold predictions a three-year deal for Patrick Liney at 19 million bucks which would come out to 6.3 that I think is sort of where we're going to be uh we'll, we'll, we'll end up at what this means for Kyle Connor is maybe nothing, but it is amazing how deadly quiet everything has been on the Kyle Connor situation. And, you know, whether you're comparing it to the Clayton Keller eight year extension in Arizona or some of the, you know, other deals like Brock Besser or Braden Point, um, many people, myself included, thought we'd probably have something done already. So. I mean, the intrigue seems to be more around the line situation, but they're both huge holes for the Winnipeg Jets. And, oh, by the way, we haven't even talked about whether Dustin Bufflin is uh, nearing a decision to come back and play hockey or not. Yeah, there weren't any pictures of him at Winnipeg Low patios weekend. on Low the weekend. weekend. We never had anything. We didn't have our newest Jets insider. People uh, respected. No, unfortunately, you know, we should hook up with Shan underscore Nana we underscore 75. should have got the exclusive. He's got any more breaking news uh, in and around the, uh, yeah. the Jet beat. The point uh, contract, the third year, $9 million. That's That's key because then you have to qualify him. So uh, if Line a does it, I would think the third year would be elevated compared to the others. Um, and it seems like more and more now that – it, I agree. It appears that the Maple Leafs did overpay for Mitch Marner. And I don't know if you saw what was trending in Toronto right now, but uh, I believe it was taxation because a lot of the you know speculation with the point deal is, well, there's no state tax in Florida, <laughs> and Toronto is pretty, pretty irked. Um, so I think I agree. I think it's definitely good news if you're the Jets. Um, you know, I think it brings down the line A contract, the Connor contract. So it sounds like the Jets offered five and a half. Now they're gonna to have to go up, you know, six and a half. Do they want to go closer to seven or but but under six and a half? Uh I mean who knows? Line A is one of the uh these players that was just had such a odd year. Well what do you take uh, it? Okay, year. I set the line there. Six point yeah. three three AAV on a three year deal. Over or under? I think I'm gonna uh, Yeah, I mean when point gets 
what he got, 6.75. I'm going to go over. I think it might be 6.5. But if the Jets offered six five point five before, I mean, are they going to go a million more than that? I'm not. Tampa apparently went yeah. way more than that. And and honestly, I mean, I think a lot of these teams sort of don't show anything close to their best offer early on Yeah, and wait to see if there's an itch on the other side or there's some other things like what happened today can help them get a little closer to the finish line. Um, you know, we'll have Paul Edmonds join us a little later on. And Pierre Lebrun, I believe, who broke the news. He's all over the Tampa situation. Mm-hmm. He's going to join us at 3.30. It'll be very interesting to get his take on uh, on the deal as well as what this may mean for the Winnipeg Jets as they try to get things done and get two of their most important players in the lineup up front and uh, continue to say prayers every night that big number 33 isn't done with hockey. Yeah, so points, you know, the two big ones that we've seen, Point got 6.75, AAV Besser got 5.875 on a three-year deal. So I would think Line and Connor would fall in between that range. That would make sense. Connor will get more if he's buying if they're buying up if, a bunch of. If, go, if Connor's years. long long term, yeah, he would be probably around the Keller range. I would think around the early seven seven mil per year. So we'll sit here, we'll wait. You know, you hope it gets done before the start of the season. Uh, we're seeing what the Jets line lineup looks like. I mean, the second line of uh, Veseline and Little Rosovic. It's definitely a step back from uh, having Connor and Line in the lineup. So. We'll see, you know, who blinks first here in this, uh, you know, battle between the player and management. So that's the big news today in the National Hockey League, so far at least, that Braden Point is a three-year deal with the Tampa Bay Lightning. As I mentioned, Pierre Lebrun, TSN NHL Insider, joins us at 3.30. We'll uh, also welcome in Paul Edmonds at 5.30. And uh, you can hit us up with your takes on the Odds Shark inbox at 12.90.90, and we'll get to some of those as we continue the afternoon. Meanwhile... The city has already fallen in love with Vili Hanola. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. And honestly, I'm not sure how many of these people uh, have been, you know, watching practices and whatnot. I mean, it's, I don't know, in my opinion, it's really hard to get too ahead of ourselves with an 18-year-old defenseman after a few preseason games. But I will say, he's certainly quitting himself very well. And Paul Maurice was, it was interesting hearing him talk yesterday before the game, Scott Billick asked him if he was gushing about him. He said, no, 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 I may have been effusive in my praise. And then he said a bunch of things. He said, okay, maybe now I am gushing. Um, another good performance for Vili Hanola last night. And despite the fact that he was the extra forward today on some line rushes, um, it, it, not, if nothing else, he's proven himself to be a very bright prospect for the club. But more and more people are asking, is there a possibility that this kid sticks around for the beginning of the season? Yeah, and you look at the way the Jets lineup is, you know, maybe he sticks around for a game or two and you see how he does it. Do they take an extended look at him tomorrow or Thursday or Sunday? I mean, the Jets, D, especially with Buffalo, and very thin. Is, is Niku hurt? You know, I, I thought going... It's minor. It's minor with Niku. Yeah, the kid, they say it's minor, but like, you know, coaches... Tyler Myers was minor and missed you yeah. know, the, the rest of the <laughs> season. <laughs> so, yeah, Toby's had a few minor dings up as... Ryan Bratt mentioned. Uh, yeah, so well. that's coach speak. Okay? Uh, we'll see what happens. He's back in the lineup when he's back in. Maybe they do want to take an extended look at him. I know I wouldn't have thought that was the case going into the playoffs, but he's definitely looked uh, better than advertised for sure. Yeah, I would say that. Ryan, throw, throw the mic on here for a second because Brant's been interesting. I mean, we had a funny chat earlier on. 
there are so many good things that this young man has done and you know justifiably so have got people excited but it, it really can be a, a two-edged sword isn't it when you know, we've seen a number of times young defensemen get put into situations where they weren't ready for it and this organization has never been one to just jump into 18 year old players especially uh, on the blue line yeah and you're setting expectations so high keep in mind there was a big season from one christian Veselainen in finland two seasons ago and we're still kind of waiting to to see the best of him in this training camp but hinola has impressed i think on a, a lot of grounds but it is preseason you think of the opposition and I think it's cool to see him on the list of players that are going to be getting a long look in training camp, and that might mean by game seven, six or seven of the exhibition schedule, you'll test him against the the top talent. If, if put your GM hat on for a minute, would you rather have if, say he's not going to play with the Jets this year? You rather have him down the hall with the Manitoba Moose, getting used to the smaller rinks in North American hockey, playing against men, or back in Finland where he probably is more comfortable? Uh, but then that sort of delays the full adaptation to North American hockey. I think the moose makes sense, and you compare it to what happened last year with Veselainen as well, that I think most of us would feel the benefit of staying with the moose the full season. Might have been better. Who knows? We don't get to see it, but you think of the reads a defenseman has to make and just how different playing in your own zone and the offensive zone, especially on the smaller ice, uh, plays into it. So we'll see. I am I am looking forward to seeing it, and yeah, lots of reviews from Paul Maurice uh, on what Hainol has been able to do. Yeah, so uh, we'll see about that. And that's a real interesting decision. I mean, let's just take out NHL possibilities for a minute. I mean, what is best for the player um, and what's best for the organization in the short and the long term? And I'm sure that's something they're uh, they're struggling with in a good way. Um, speaking of struggling, the Bombers were struggling to hold another lead on Saturday. And uh, I, I still can't wrap my head around that one. We will discuss the meltdown in Montreal when we come back on the Assiniboia Downs warm-up. You're listening to TSN Radio 1290. All right, back on the Assiniboia Downs warm-up here on TSN 1290. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus, Ryan Brandt with you. Uh, we've got some great texts coming in. Uh, we're going to save all the NFL texts for the next segment. We'll spend NFL from 2.30 up until 3 o'clock. Uh, we'll talk fantasy. We'll review some of the bets, picks for the week, all of that. So if you have a take, uh, studs, duds, overreaction, you want your coach fired, now's mm-hmm. the time to send them to us at 12.90.90. And we'll get to uh, the first Five alarm football fire we have to deal with. And um, that was what happened to our blue and gold on Saturday afternoon in Montreal, Michael. Yeah, I have we seen this game before where the Bombers go up big. You think they're going to dominate and then just shut it down in the second half and just allow a ton, a ton of passing yards. I mean, Vernon Adams, uh, I thought this guy was good coming in. They didn't, he didn't look that great in the first half, but 488. Passing yards in the game, four touchdown passes, including a rushing touchdown. Half of it was in the fourth quarter. First of all, this guy is a fantasy like god right now if you played him in CFL. But, I mean, just an unbelievable comeback by Montreal where it seemed Biggest like... Biggest one they in were the franchise's to... history. And the Bombers looked so good. We had so many questions about Chris Trevler coming in. He looked awesome in the first half. Oh, uh, the revolution was in full effect. Running the ball, Andrew Harris looked like he was back. Um, I just don't know, don't know what happened. The offense completely dried up. Only three points in the second half. Um, and everyone, will... everyone has a little piece of that blown loss, that blown lead. Yes, because you know, at thirty-four ten, with less than a minute left in the first half. 
it's almost impossible to lose that game. I mean, a lot of things have to happen to make it happen. And the first thing that happened was, you know, I, I thought Streveler played really, really well in the first half, but I think he was maybe feeling it a little too much. And I think the Bombers were having a little too much fun embarrassing Montreal, which is exactly what they were doing in the first half. And they got a little greedy in that final minute. And I'm not sure whether that was a play call from uh, from Paul Apolice or whether that was Streveler deciding that he had a spot and wanted to go for it. But it was dangerous. You turn the football over, it ends up in your end zone, and all of a sudden a 17-point halftime lead is a heck of a lot different than a 24-point lead, especially with the team just getting that and feeling a little boost of energy going forward. But then we went to the second to the second half in the third quarter, and the Bombers were great. I mean, the third quarter, the only scoring was Justin Medlock making a field goal. So you're up 20 going into the final quarter. That game should be over. But unfortunately, despite all the great play of the offense in the first half, it seemed, and this is this is a topic that has been consistent with Matt Nichols or Chris Strebler, they've had a real tough time just getting a damn first down when they desperately needed to move the chains, eat up some of the clock, and keep the football. And, uh, you know, it, unfortunately, they didn't get the first downs when they needed it in the fourth quarter. And at the same time, the defense absolutely disintegrated in multiple drives. <laughs> Three touchdowns later, Bombers are going, what the hell happened? Yeah, just looking at the drive lock here, I mean, the Bombers had so many two and outs or four and outs where they just couldn't uh, eat up the clock, get any momentum. Uh, Streveler was forced a number of times uh, to throw the ball away or getting sacked where you're not, you know, again, prevents you from moving the ball. Um, you know, really tough for the offense. And then on defense, as you said, I mean, just guys, especially on that final drive where, and again, you saw in the Saskatchewan game two where, you know, they just march all the way down the field for uh, the game-winning score. But uh, who was a Quan Bray just so wide open at the end, um, you know, to set it, get them into the red zone uh, before the touchdown. Um, you know, really, you just saw this, uh, it was like a boulder just about rolling over a hill. And you saw it against uh, the Toronto, too, where just completing passes after passes, guys so wide open, um, just complete meltdown by the defense. I do want to give a shout-out to uh, to Chris Matthews for the full, he only had uh, three catches, two of them touchdowns, but full revenge game uh, from him against the Bombers who cut him earlier this year. Uh, whatever for whatever reason didn't fit in with the bombers, but he fit in pretty well uh, catching two TDs on Saturday. Yeah, um, but again, I mean, you know, they got another touchdown with two sixteen left, and then the bombers got the ball. I mean, two minutes left. I mean, at the end of the day, the great teams you know, to be able to put away opponents. Hey, you need to be able to move the football and do what they did seemingly with ease in the first half. It just seems like things get tight, and I'm not sure where the combination is, and whether it's play calling. Uh, whether it's being too conservative, um, whether it's guys being afraid of making a mistake and just, you know, being too conservative in that respect, it's really tough to say. Andre texts in, Andre here, I simply do not trust the Bombers who have blown 20 and 24-point leads versus Toronto and Montreal to be true contenders. Teams that want and need to finish first in the West don't implode like that. Will the Bombers finish first in the CFL West? Uh, It's a great question. It's a very accurate statement. I think many of us have those same questions about a team that does so many things so well that can have it go south mm-hmm. 
when they need it as they do. But it's going to come down to these games with Calgary. I mean, the Bombers have been great in the Western Division. So I think that's the one thing if you're a Bomber fan, you got to stay positive. In fact, with uh, in all likelihood, it'll come down to those final two games against Calgary and, of course, the Bombers with that bye. Yeah, I got to say, Calgary themselves, I don't think Calgary's looked that great. Every receiver on their team yeah. is injured. They're having injuries at, at running back. I mean, uh, they should have put up way more points uh, every game. They seem to be just squeaking out these wins, even though making uh, so many mistakes. So I'm not totally sold on Calgary either. Edmonton, they're, they're toast. We'll get to the Odd Shark inbox next. Your comments on uh, some Jet stuff as well as NFL feedback from week number three. And we'll get ready for Monday Night Football. A quick time out for SportsCenter, though, with Ryan Brandt here on TSN 1290. All right, just past 2.30 here on the... Cinnaboy Downs warm-up, Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus, Ryan Brandt. Let's get to the National Football League. Mm -hmm. First things first, Monday nighter tonight, Skins hosting the Chicago Bears. Washington looking for their first win of the season. And uh, the Bears looking to get to 2-1 after that disappointing Thursday night loss to the Green Bay Packers. Bounced back last week with a narrow win over Denver. We'll have that for you. The pregame beginning at 6.30, kickoff just after 7 and uh, tonight, I'll be out at the Boston Pizza on Pemina hosting. We'll have some great prizes and specials, including a Pro Stitch NFL jersey to give away. So if you're looking for a spot to watch the game, come and join me down at Boston Pizza Pemina. Boston Pizza, your number one spot for Monday Night Football with uh, all those great prizes and giveaways at all of the local Boston Pizza locations. We'd love to see you out by the university uh, on the South Pemina location. Um, let's get to it, Reem. Game of the week. I think it, it was definitely the Chiefs-Baltimore game, at least, you know, on, on paper going in. I mean, you had two undefeated teams. You had the two number one quarterbacks in the league, both with seven touchdowns and no picks. And the game really did deliver. I mean, Mahomes is better than he was last year, if it's possible. Lamar Jackson is getting a lot more confident. He has an amazing ability to create plays with his legs. The one thing that differentiates those two right now is that he, and whether it's the offense or or the way that they're calling plays, he only completed like two or three passes to wide receivers all game. And that, you know, you really do need to get your wideouts into the game to get the maximum potential out of your offense. But I will tell you, the Chiefs offense right now is, I mean, it's like the Harlem Globetrotters at times. And the Baltimore defense is no joke. Now, Having sat through the Bomber game and watched that fourth quarter lead disappear, it did get a little tight for my liking. But we're going to get to some really strange coach calls during this segment. I've got to ask you this one. I still have yet to hear an explanation that makes sense. Down 17 in the fourth quarter, the Ravens get a touchdown to make it 11 points. Normal strategy would be you would kick the extra point to make it a 10-point game, and you've got a you know a touchdown and a field goal to tie it. Harbaugh went for two. So essentially, you were either going to be down 11 or down 9. What is the benefit to those extra two points as opposed to the danger, which ended up happening? They didn't make it. They were down 11. They got another touchdown, had to go for two again, missed it again, and now all of a sudden they were down five and needed a touchdown to win the game as opposed to a field goal to tie. Very strange. The Ravens actually missed three two-point converts yesterday in the game. And maybe he just felt he was so far in he would just keep doing it. But um, it made absolutely no sense. And, you know, I'm all for guys making aggressive moves, going for two if the math makes sense. But to me, this just didn't at all. 
Yeah, certainly an odd call, uh, but I think the Ravens uh, showed us that they're definitely legit. Lamar Jackson, uh, I mean, he did rush for 46 yards and eight carries, but threw for 267. Uh, he's been absolutely awesome this year uh, in this Ravens offense. Maybe a bit different than we're used to seeing in terms of uh, you know Lamar being a gunslinger. They're more run heavy, but uh, awesome watching. Those are two, uh, you know, two great teams, but probably second in the AFC to the New England Patriots. Sorry, us. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, who have the Patriots beat? They beat the Jets and the and the, yeah. Dol- and the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah, and the Steelers. <laughs> and the Steelers. They're zero three. Actually, now that I think well, about you can it, only play you can only play who's in front of you. I uh, know, but let's let's judge they're them the based Super Bowl, on what they've they're done. They're the Super Bowl champions. They've beaten teams that are a yeah, combined zero and nine the on same, the season. They're the same team as last year. Come How on, about this. I listen. They are on my bleep list from yesterday. I pick them to cover the twenty-two point spread or whatever it was. They're comfortably up thirty to nothing. And then somehow give up two defensive touchdowns, a fumble recovery for a TD, and a pick for a TD. So the backup QB, yeah, it's it, not not good. It, it didn't make what? a lot of sense. But again, they got the W. Mm-hmm. Hey, the Pats are scary right now, but they're moved on from Antonio Brown. Did you see Bill Belichick's pregame interview with? Uh, I don't know whether it was Jane Slater from the NFL. Whoever you know, she doing her job said, you know, I do have to ask you what was the uh, what was the final straw with Antonio Brown. And he just looks at her and goes, we're ready for the Jets. She goes, all right, thanks very much, coach. And he just stares her down. Doesn't say anything. <laughs> it's the the full Darth Vader routine by uh, by Coach Belichick right now. Yeah, he doesn't want to answer that uh, that question. What's what's he going to say? I mean, she has to ask. She's doing her job. Uh, that's the, you know that's what he does. You know, you mentioned that you thought the Casey uh, Baltimore was the game. I think that was the pre. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Going into the week, that was the game of the week. The actual game of the week was the Daniel Jones debut. (laughs) Danny Dimes? Yeah, Danny Danny Dimes. Great nickname. Uh, Leading the comeback against Tampa Bay. Uh, Absolutely incredible performance for him. If you you had him in fantasy and you had one of those injuries, I mean, he was awesome. 336 yards, rushed for a touchdown, threw for two. Sorry, rushed for two touchdowns, including... What was the game winner uh, going up the middle? That was just a game with two bad defenses, with you know guys who who can chuck it up. And Jameis Winston, uh, you know Mike Evans had the huge game, three touchdowns. That game very exciting, but I mean, in the grand scheme of the NFL, it was two terrible teams that aren't going to be in the playoffs. But so that's why gambling and fantasy yeah. means so much to the NFL because yeah. that game actually was huge and you know, huge for fantasy York, with the New York market. Um, you know, it led the. I saw first take earlier today. That was the first thing they talked about. It wasn't the Browns losing, yeah. and we'll get to that in a well, moment. Everyone, you know, after the draft, we were all sitting here laughing at the Giants for taking Daniel Jones, like uh, you know, one of their t- their top pick. But he was awesome yesterday. And I mean, what did they see from him before? Like, why wasn't he starting game one and game two? Because Eli Manning, I mean, looked like a statue out there for the first two games. So Daniel Jones... They did I, give up like 70 points, too, in their first couple of games. I mean, it was just weird that they said, oh, we're going to play Eli, and then they went away from it from two games where he wasn't very good, but the whole team stunk, and you were wondering, I guess basically if you're going to lose, you may as well lose getting your number one quarterback, uh, your first pick, ready and, to actually well, contribute. But it was great. The big story this game that no one will talk about will be like, oh, my God, Daniel Jones led them from behind to this big win. The Buccaneers, who, if you recall, drafted Roberto Aguayo, a kicker, in the second round a few years ago, 
and went with him for a few games until they had to had to um, to uh, cut him. Drafted Matt Gay, their kicker, in the fifth round. You rarely see kickers drafted. Most of them are, are free agents, just signed. Gay was only in a position to kick the winning field goal at the end because he had already missed two converts. And speaking of weird and strange coaching decisions, and I'm a big Bruce Arians fan, he took a delay of game penalty on purpose on that final field goal because he thought from the angle a 34-yarder would be easier than a 29-yarder. It's math. Closer, closer is easier. The other story of that game we didn't mention: Saquon Barkley. Oh, uh, you maybe took him. Uh, you know, first overall in fantasy, second overall. He's going to be out four to eight weeks with an ankle injury. Wayne Gallman uh, may be the guy to step in. So don't expect Saquon numbers from Wayne Gallman. No, I, I would not. Uh, but that was definitely a huge, uh, huge blow. For them and uh, fantasy owners as well. Off-season champions were in action last night, taking on the defending NFC champions in the LA Rams. And I, I got to tell you, this Cleveland team has been... You know, we ask these questions on this program. Hey, of all the rookie coaches and who's under more, who's under more pressure? And we sort of had, you know, the rest of the guys. And then there was two, Matt LaFleur and Freddie Kitchens. And LaFleur, I mean, the offense has been okay so far. Aaron Rodgers will tell you that the Packers have a defense, a really good defense. And that's been helping them win games. It was a big part of yesterday's tilt. But my God, do the Browns look like a talented but disorganized, dysfunctional group. I think they had another six penalties on offense last night, like on the line of scrimmage. And the play everyone's talking about, fourth and nine. And uh, they run a weird, poorly drawn-up draw to Nick Chubb, which goes for two yards, and they hand the ball over. And um, Freddie Kitchens, justifiably so, taking quite a bit of heat after the game. We're also getting a lot of heat for the final drive. They had a chance to win you know, down uh, near the goal line. Yeah, they were like the four or five they, yard line. They had first fir- down, all three timeouts. First down, you don't run the ball. You don't, you know, run the ball with Chubb, who you know had uh, ninety six yards and twenty three rushes, averaging four point two yards. You know, the exact number of yards you need for a score. Um, you know, they don't throw to Odell Beckham Jr., who can beat anyone in one on one coverage. So their final, you know, four plays of the game where they didn't, you know, tie it up and force overtime, getting a lot of heat there. So Cleveland, they're off to, you know, one and two start, but they're not looking like, uh, you know, the off-season champions that we thought they would be. We've got some good texts on that. Um, yeah. I can't believe Mayfield didn't run that ball. Jones is better. So already now yeah. Daniel Jones has usurped Baker Mayfield. And and we saw that there's a picture where it looked like there was a huge lane. I think it, it probably closes up faster than you think. Um so Stepping I, up in the pocket wouldn't have bad wouldn't no, have been a bad he, thing there. That he, is what textbook what you do in that case. I would agree, and I would agree with that. But another, you know, rookie quarterback we you know from this week, we've got to give a shout out to Brad who texted in Huss. So I had Roethlisberger and needed a quarterback. Listening to you guys talk about the legend that is Gardner Minshew. I uh dialed it fun up and started him. Got the W this week. Thanks, Huss. So, Brad, that makes two of us. Yeah. There you go, Brad. Gardner Minshew gets his first win in the NFL mm-hmm. and we get our first wins with him as our fantasy quarterback. What a what a great yeah. moment it is for the Jags franchise as well as our yeah. make believe fantasy outfits with uh with Gardner getting it yeah. done. And another, you know, quarterback 
you know, starting for the first time uh, this season yesterday. Kyle Allen of Carolina. Uh, what a game for him. And now Arizona, they don't have much of a defense. But that, one, that win yesterday was dedicated to everybody that texted in or tweeted me after I picked the Panthers on Friday's warm-up. And there's a number of people that told me I was nuts. You have to believe in the backup. Kyle yeah. Allen, a lot to believe in. Yeah, four touchdown passes yesterday for Kyle Allen. And Cam Newton's last six starts, you know how many touchdown passes he has? Four. <laughs> So you also have to believe in that the Cardinals still aren't very good. They're absolutely terrible. <laughs> okay, I mean Kyler Murray's fun. He throws the ball a lot. Might break the record for most attempts in a season, but uh, they're not a good football team. So that was a great matchup for Kyle Allen. But I mean, you look at their in their last six games, Cam Newton doesn't have any touchdown passes, and Kyle Allen has six because he had two in uh, the end of last season. So uh, you know that was an exciting game for for them, but. Kyle Allen making some noise. Maybe if you need a starter, uh, you know, in fantasy, pick him up because Cam Newton just ruled out. Uh, There's really no timetable for him. He's yeah, I guess we didn't have a ton of quarterbacks get laid out this week, so it's not the rush to the waiver wire that it was last week with Breeze and Ben out and Cam Newton as well. But uh, we will see. Here's another one uh, at twelve ninety ninety. Hey, boys, Aaron Rodgers said we have a defense. Man, is he right. What a play by Alexander ripping the ball out, and it turns into a TV with the offense not going yet, but coming and this defense, do you think the Packers are strong contenders? Bellboy. Well, how about that NFC North? I mean, we're not even a full three weeks in. We still need to see the Bears play tonight against Washington. Mm-hmm. But it, it's very interesting. Um, I mean, I think, honestly, early on, we're going to be talking about the Packers and we're going to be talking about the Vikings. The Vikings and Kirk Cousins certainly felt that they gave one to the Packers. That terrible start. They came back. We're in a position to go up, and Cousins threw that horrible pick last week. Um, but there's no doubt the Packers are certainly a contender in the NFC North. And and I don't know. I mean, you can look at the AFC. It's seemingly, there's the Chiefs, there's the Patriots, you know, there's the Ravens right there in that class below. But, I mean, there's certainly not one team that just looks light years ahead of everyone else in the NFC North right now. And uh, I'll tell you what, if the Packers' offense gets going and their defense continues to play as it is, they absolutely could be a serious contender to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Yeah, 3-0 and right now, and I'm curious how Chicago is going to look. Uh, you know, Trubisky you know, was really rough last year to start as well, then picked it up. He's been pretty rough to start. Um, you know, Washington, not very good. Um, can he look like a decent quarterback? Because, you know, <laughs> everyone's saying, well, would you rather have this guy or Trubisky? So... He really hasn't performed this year. Chicago, we know they have a defense, but uh, I think the concerns there are for offense. And Green Bay would, you know, have to be the favorite. Kirk Cousins, I mean, he's been, I don't know, he's been okay. He was better yesterday. He was be- better yesterday. We threw 10 times in their, in their first win. <laughs> Can you trust him to throw the ball, <laughs> basically? So uh, I would be yeah, Dalvin Green- Cook is the son of that team right yeah. now. And Adam Thielen got one uh, catching and rushing yesterday. So. You know they're they're mixing things some things up. Hey, you know, speaking of three and O teams, let's get Brant in here because uh, he. You know yeah. what? There's not a lot of opportunity to come on and stunt on your undefeated Buffalo Bills, but uh, uh, I didn't a see while. a lot of that game watching the the, the Mahomes Jackson matchup. But I'll tell you what, from the highlights, it seems like uh, viewers got the full Josh Allen experience yesterday watching that one. It was everything. I think the the most ultimate Josh Allen play is when he took out his own running back 
Frank Gore. They tripped over each other. Allen fumbled the ball, picked up the ball, stiff-armed a bangle, and then completed a two-yard pass to save the play. It was uh, ultimate Josh Allen, who also had another fumble on a run and had some scary moments and interception uh, playing a bit of hero ball. But you, you see the signs that it might be okay. The Bills' defense is legit, isn't oh, it? yeah. The strip, uh, I think it was Jordan Poyer with a nice uh, forced fumble. There's a few. It's got me excited. I can also use them in Madden online without shame and be competitive now. So there's a lot of reasons to be happy about the and, Bills. And Frank Gore playing ball at 100 years old, scoring the game-winning <laughs> touchdown. I, I love seeing him carry the ball. It's awesome. I mean, he just carry the ball forever. I was mocked by picking for picking Frank Gore towards the end of a draft, and I guess justifiably so. There's lots of jokes yeah, like you just mentioned. The guy's 100 yards, and yet he's a starting running back in the NFL and is getting 20 touches a game. And when guys are going down, you need to have a little bit of depth. It's hard to believe we're in 2019, but Frank Gore is still a viable fantasy option if you need it. Oh, man. You can keep them coming to uh, TSN, the uh, Odd Shark inbox at 129090. We've got a couple other texts on uh, some hockey, some jet stuff. We'll touch on those in our final segment before the afternoon ride. You're listening to TSN Radio 1290. All right, back, finishing up the warm-up. We've got a busy, busy afternoon ride coming up. We'll uh, break down the uh, Bombers' loss in Montreal and look ahead to Hamilton with Eddie Tate. Paul Edmonds will join us, and uh, we'll get down to all the big news in the NHL in the first hour including a visit from TSN insider Pierre Lebrun on Braden Point's new deal. Uh, let's get to the let's get back to the Odd Shark inbox. Uh, Gary has one for us. What do you two gentlemen make of the noise about Patrick Liney not wanting to be here in Winnipeg? It doesn't seem to be going away and Dennis Bernstein said the same when he was on with Kevin O. Gary, I'll be honest. I don't make much of it and I think and I love Dennis. I think he's an entertaining guest. He's been on the station a number of times before. I just think that he was completely out to lunch on this topic and um, didn't make a very compelling case as to why the Jets need to do it. I mean, his uh, his premise was that they really need help on defense. So trade Patrick Line, a generational goal scorer for a defense and quote a few other pieces. When was the last time that ever was a good idea? Never. 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 And I will maintain, I know there's some of you listening and saying, hey, we can do without Patrick Laine. I will maintain over and over again, if this team ever trades Patrick Laine, or at least, you know, at any, or in the next five, six years, um, it will be one of those decisions that haunts a franchise for a really, really long time. The potential of Laine is so great. Uh, and never mind that, within three years, he's given this team 110 goals. And yeah, there's a lot of things he needs to improve on, but... You don't move on from a player like that. So, uh, you know what? I just thought that was sort of a, a misinformed take from somebody very far, far away from the situation that didn't have a lot of the information. Yeah, I mean, we heard the comments last week. I think some of that is uh, is posturing uh, here. So we'll see. Hopefully they can put, work out a deal. But Becky I think and said the exact yeah, opposite when he was on with us. That, he said, no, he, he loves this. He likes city. Winnipeg. He I just think, be- yeah, I just think he just doesn't like the way that he's been, uh, been used the last couple of years. And part of that might be saying publicly for, you know, to influence a negotiation. So I'm not making anything about any, any of this, uh, right now. Uh, but we do have one other uh, text about the jets, uh, not hating on these players. What are your guys thoughts on when it is time to move on from Perot and little, especially Perot. He is a bottom six forward and the Jets have a lot of young guys on entry-level deals that deserve playing time and will do just as good of a job at a cheaper price. Example, Appleton and Veselainen. And I got to, you know, 
seriously disagree with uh, this person who texted in with the phone number ending in two zero. Um, you know, those guys are, are veteran players, uh, much more proven at the NHL level than Appleton and Veselainen. Those guys may have potential, especially Veselainen, but they haven't shown it yet. And Brian Little's got a contract. He's going to be here for a long time. Perot, I think, was a guy you maybe could have moved before for a defenseman, but it seems like they're going to hang on to him. And uh, I think he's a valuable guy who can play, you know, play middle six uh, on a team. I, this is a big year for Matthew Perot, though. I mean, I, I really do think that... I agree with you in your situation of Brian Little. They know what they have in Brian Little, and you know I think Brian Little might be a little overpaid if you're having him play regularly in the bottom six, but he'll certainly be a reliable player in there, and you can win games with players like that outside of that area. Um, Matthew Perot, I think, really needs to you know solidify his value to the team. Not that he hasn't before, but you're just getting into the point where you have one year left on a contract. Mm. We're talking about moving around money. Um, he needs to make sure that he shows how important he is to the club. But great one here from Nick. couple of hot takes for you. The Bomber game was a disaster, but don't panic. Bombers will finish first in the West. Nichols is going to be back in two weeks. And, um, well, he's got some speculation oh. on speculation <laughs> on Buff. I, you know what? This is funny. Take it for what it's worth. But uh, I have connections that Buff is trading hard at home, wearing garbage bags of sweat. I don't lose a few pounds. He'll be back around the 10 to 15 game mark. Nick, I hope we sit here in a month and a half going, remember when Nick texted in and knew it? Hey, we've got Instagram insiders now. Now we've got insiders in the Oddstruck text box. Love it. Keep them coming at 129090. Thanks to Nick and everyone else that got in on the program. Uh, we got to get out. Trending topics, Sports Center, and the afternoon ride is next. We'll talk about. Braden Point's new contract and what that may mean for Patrick Line, Kyle Connor, and the rest of the unsigned RFAs with Pierre Lebrun coming up in half an hour on the afternoon ride. This is TSN 1290.